Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Come on, let's praise Him. How many thankful for the Lamb of God today? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We love you today for your word. Now behold the Lamb, the precious Lamb of God. Amen. Remain standing. We are going to turn to the word of the Lord. Aren't we thankful for what we feel in this room? We've come to praise Him with everything in us. Hallelujah. Thank you, sign team. We haven't done that in a while. It's an expression, expression of worship. How many are thankful for the Lamb of God today? Would you clap your hands and thank God for God so loved the world? Amen, amen. The book of 1 Samuel chapter 21, 1 Samuel chapter 21, so moved in the spirit today. Praise team, so very, very powerful. Amen, about the name of Jesus. You can call on his name. You can make the darkness tremble. How many believe that? Do you still believe God's greater than anything you're going through, anything that's against you? How many believe God's greater than all of that? Praise the name of God. 1 Samuel chapter 21, reading with verse 8, it reads this way, And David said unto Ahimelech, And is there not here under thine hand a spear nor sword? When he got to the place where the priests were, I call it the house of the Lord, he said, is there a spear or sword here? For I have neither brought my sword nor my weapons with me because the king's business required haste. And the priest said, The sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom thou slewest in the valley of Elah, behold, it is here, wrapped in the cloth behind the ephod. If thou wilt take that, take it, for there is none, no other save that here. The only weapon that I have here he said, is your testimony. The only thing that I find here, I don't see another sword. I don't find another. The only one I find in this building is your, is your story. It's your testimony. He, he responds to the priest. And David said, there is none like that. Give it me. I'd like to preach to you today on simply a lost testimony. A lost testimony. Would you lift your hands and ask God to tailor his word to you today? Would you do that, Lord? We love you. We thank you, Jesus. We worship you, God. Hallelujah. In the name of the Lord, we praise you for who you are. We pray that God, in these next few moments, the next 25 minutes, that God, you do an amazing work. And in this altar service today, a great work in their life. These wonderful people have gathered from different places. And we're so thankful for them. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, before you're seated, I want to say it's so good to have Brother Sister Ramirez with us. So glad they're here. This is Brother Dylan's aunt and uncle. We're so glad they're here from Canada. We're so thankful there. And all of our guests in the building, we welcome you today. Those watching online, may the Lord bless you. You may be seated today. It, it's a story that's been told as much as any other in the Scripture. It's the story of a young boy named David. David was known as, you picture him, he's got a slingshot in his hand. And he goes out and fights somebody that, when I was a kid, I saw the 
cut out, cut out pictures of Goliath and on the wall. All those people used Scott State and Sunday school teachers, all the walls, painted walls they ruined over the years trying to paint picture to us kids and a sticker on the wall and a little boy with a slingshot in his hand and that David, that one. And uh, why was he fighting Goliath? Why is a boy fighting this champion of the Philistines? You'll find in Scripture because God had rejected Saul. Saul, Saul was head and shoulders taller than anybody. The Bible describes him as he's the biggest man in the in, in their kingdom, Saul was tall. He was big. But, but when it came on this day, because God had rejected him, because his lack of willingness to be obedient to God's word, even to the prophet of God, that the Lord took the anointing from him and gave it to another, and it happened to be Jesse's boy, David. David finds himself at a day when his dad said, Listen, son. Go check on your brothers. They're out there at the battlefield. Because at the battlefield, it looked like this. You got the children of Israel on one mountain and in the valley of Elah. On the other side of the mountain, you've got the Philistines on the other side. And you've got this Goliath, the champion. Some describe him as nine and a half feet tall. Uh, his, his, his armor weighed 600 shekels of weight. And, and you'll find that he was screaming from the valley. Send me a man to fight. Every time he'd say it for 40 days, Saul would hide and the entire army of God would run and hide from this voice. Just send me one man. And the word went out that if a man was willing to fight Goliath, that there were some benefits. And when David showed up at the battlefield to give his brothers some food and, and their captain some cheese, and you'll find that when he showed up there, he, he heard the booming voice. Out of the valley. Send me a man to fight. And he began to defy the armies. He began to, 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 to tear down the people of God and God's people. He began to defy them, tear them down. And when David heard it, something stirred within him. I come to preach to some people today that you have something stirring within you. You've had something stirring within you. You had a burden to do something for God. There was something to begin to move in you. You didn't like the hour. You don't like the hour that you're in, the attacks that are on our children today, the attack that's on the American family today. How many know it's the last days? There are some booming voices from the valley that said they would like to take out the church. and Anything righteous, anything wholesome, how many know there is an attack against the people of God in 2023? That, that, that son of perdition is screaming. That, that voice is crying out. When David heard it, something moved within him. He goes to somebody and says, what happens to the guy that destroys this uncircumcised Philistine? I will say, he never called him a giant. What happens to the one that destroys this uncircumcised Philistine? And somebody said, oh, his, he and his father's house will never have to pay taxes again. That's a pretty good reward. And the whole church can say Amen. Oh, and he gets the king's daughter. He will be married into royalty. He will marry Saul's daughter. And uh, um, it, that, that wasn't his motive or his motivation because that really didn't matter to him. All of a sudden, somebody, Saul gets word, hey, have you heard? What? There's somebody willing to fight Goliath. Have you heard him? Uh, well, bring him to me. And uh, could you imagine Saul that's this tall? And uh, can you where? 
Oh, I, I, need, I need somebody to help me. Where's Theodore? He, he, he wasn't this tall, but I need somebody shorter than me right now. Amen. Come here. Come here, Theo. You imagine Saul and, uh, and they said, hey, hey, Saul, he just stay right there. He's, hey, Saul, here he is. Where's he at? Saul, he's here. All of a sudden, here's a voice. I want you to say, hey. Him? When you begin to read it, you know, Saul tried to put some armor on and give him his own sword. And David, David looks back at him and says, come up here and stand with Pastor. David looks back at him and says, I haven't proven these. But I've been in a field for a while. And I've proven some things. Saul, so I was in the field and a, and a bear came against me. And when it did, I was able to slay that bear with my own hands. And he said, a lion came and took one of my father's sheep and I slayed the lion with my own hands. And, and uh, he said, the God that was with me then is going to be the God that's with me now. Amen. There is a generation, there's a people that believe that God is with them. We're not doing this by ourselves. Come on. You're not living this Christian life by yourself. Greater is he that's with me, amen, than he that is against me. Praise God. Somebody shout, praise the Lord. How many believe the Lord's with us today? And, and, and David grabs his slingshot. You got your slingshot? I know you got imagination because I know you. And I had a pocket full of candy a while ago. I thought, man, this is probably going to be a preacher right there, amen. Get your slingshot up. You got it in your hand? He takes off running. Okay? He takes off. Come, come here right here. He runs down the valley. Runs down the valley. I want you to take off running down the middle aisle. Would you do that with your slingshot in your hand? Just He's going after the enemy. And Goliath sees him coming and almost has the same response as Saul. Where's he at? Finally, when he sees this little figure, you know, when you look a long ways off, everybody looks the same height. But the closer it got, the more disappointed Goliath was. And uh, he, he gets mad about it. You read the scripture, he said, Am I a dog? You sent a boy out to fight me? He had no clue who he was with, messing with who he was messing with. This boy had a relationship with God, had the favor of God on his life, the hand of God, prophecy over him. And there was something, it wasn't the size of the boy in the fight, it was the size of the fight that was in that boy he needed to worry about. He came in, he came in, stirred and moved. I want to preach to some fighters right now. That enemy has tried to do everything it can to take what belongs to you. Can I tell you, you keep on fighting because every battle you fight, engage in, you will win. You will win every battle that you engage in. You're going to win. You are going to win. The story is, we all know, at least most of us would know, that David runs and just one sling. David makes this statement. He said, you come to me with a sword, a spear, and a shield. What he was saying was, that's all you've got. But I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts. 
He said, I know who is with me. The same one would have written. He, he said, I will fear no evil. Yea, though I walk through the valley, the shadow of death, I'll fear. For thou art with me. I come to preach to somebody to tell you, the devil wants you to think that you're in it by yourself. And when you look in the valley and you're all by yourself, you're going to get discouraged and quit, think that God doesn't hear you when you pray, you'll give up. But if you can just turn your eyes upon Jesus and realize he's right here with if you, you're not going through this valley alone. Come on, you're not going through this by yourself. I wish somebody would shout, Thou art with me. Thou art with me. He had a rod in one hand, a slingshot in another. He said, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You know what he was making reference to? As you was with me as a shepherd, you're with me today as a warrior. Somebody shout, he's still with me. I feel that in the spirit. And David, David runs toward him and he throws the stone. I personally believe God snatched it out of the air and God's own hand punched him right between the eyes. I do. Because God's waiting on you to give him something he can use. You've got to give him something. I don't care how small it is. Give him something. Give him a morning prayer this week. Come on, skip a few meals this week and give him something. Because I promise you, if you'll give him something, I don't care how small it is, you'll just give him what you can. He's going to use it to combat the enemy in your life. you got to give him something. Give him a little bit of faith. Give him a little bit of expectation. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, you got to give him something. He gives him a, he gives him, and God knocks him down and, and when he does, how many know it was the Lord? It was the Lord. The Bible says, he told him, he said, you're going to fight nations that are greater than you. And you're this guy, and it's that guy. You know the Lord was telling the truth. And he falls before the children of Israel. And when David goes over, David goes over, he, he finds Goliath laying down. And David goes over, there would have probably still been breath in his body. He's knocked out, but he's not destroyed. But there was something inside of him. There's a difference in being delivered and being delivered indeed. Some people have moments of deliverance, but not forever deliverance. And David didn't just want to knock him down. He was tired of this guy. I know when we teach our children this, and there's part of it we want to skip when they're little, but David grabs a sword out. And cuts his, am I allowed to say that in public nowadays? I don't know. He decapitates him. Grabs his head by the hair. And starts running and showing the children. What it was saying, it's a gruesome story. It's a, it's a warring story. But the fact of the matter is, he was saying the authority has been removed from the enemy. That's right. He ran that. He ran the enemy, the, the head of the enemy, that voice that will never speak again, that will never talk again, will never be a, a, he will never be a, an opposing force voice again. He carries it all the way to the gate, 18 miles, and hangs it on the gate of Jerusalem. One study says he takes it all the way to the Calvary, and that's why it's called the place of the skull. Where God defeats people's enemies. And David David uh, uh, moves on, and, and boy, I'm telling you, Jerusalem, the children of Israel, they got the praise back. You know, it's, it's sometimes hard to praise him when you have something against you. 
When you go to the doctor and they give you a bad report, when the kids are doing whatever and get a bad report, when, when you go and it's not a great report, and, and sometimes we can become discouraged when it looks like life is against us. You can feel in the end time the attack of the enemy against us. But man, when you're on the mountaintop and you have overcome the enemy, it'll make you want to clap your hands and stomp your feet and shout hallelujah and sing a song. How many know it's true? He that is merry, let him sing. How many of you in this building have had some miracles over your life that were worth praising him for? How many's ever been healed, delivered, set free, answered prayer? He's been good to me. That's why we clap our hands and shout hallelujah and worship when there's power in the name of Jesus. But this is probably not the greatest battle that he ever fought. Because when he gets home, when he gets home, and he, he finds himself in the streets, they're celebrating, people are so excited, Saul's killed his thousands, but David's killed his tens of thousands. And I don't think people meant it, meant it uh, treacherously or degrading but I think there was something there and it gets in the heart of Saul because Saul was told because you rejected me I'm going to replace you his mind is now immediately Saul is the Bible says an evil spirit came to him now he no longer sees David as a, an appreciated warrior they just set his kingdom free all only thing he can see is a threat a threat to the throne and so um, he, he goes to him and he says he says uh, scripture tells us that while he's sitting at dinner one day and uh, Saul couldn't stand him. What, what, watch, bear with me for a minute. Saul reaches down and grabs the javelin. A lot of times they would have it on their side where it was easily accessible under the robe. Grabs the javelin. The Bible says he thought to strike it against the wall. It was almost like a practice. And David has to leave the room and absent from it because he can see this, this, this person that is up and down. One minute he acts like he loves him. The next minute he's throwing javelins at him. And... Uh, uh, he, David, David leaves and flees and he, he goes this place and, and the Bible tells us that, that then Saul saw the wisdom of David and he set him over a captain of thousands. Now hold on, he's throwing a javelin at him one minute and making him as a captain the next minute. It's so confusing. It's, it's confusing to, to this man and, uh, and you got to understand, David, and I want to say to everybody in this room, your greatest victories sometimes leave you post victory you're most becoming most vulnerable some of my greatest victories as a pastor have been followed by extremely vulnerable moments because the devil doesn't like it when you have victory I mean oh an evil spirit came to Saul and began to use him against David and David finds himself dodging javelins and then becoming elevated to captain. Then, then, then Saul says to him, he said, he said, I want you to marry my daughter. Uh, her name, her name was was uh, Mirab. And he David gets ready to marry his daughter. That was the promise. He goes get married, and guess what? Saul marries her to somebody else, and then watches David's response. That's just wrong. I promise you to marry my daughter. The next thing you know, she's married to somebody else. Then he says, you know what? Oh, I'm sorry about that, David, but I'm going to let you marry Michael. And the Bible says, I don't know what type of character Michael had, but the Bible says he wanted her, him to marry Michael so, so she would be a thorn to him or she would be a negative to him. I don't know what she was like, but he thought, I'm going to do him in it. I'm going to let him marry Michael. Amen. Later, you see that a little bit when David is dancing in the streets and she mocks him. 
Later you'll find, and God cursed her because she mocked his praise that she couldn't have children. Guess what she did? She went and stole five babies from somebody else. He gave her to him as a as 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 an opposing to him. And then he would teach his men to tell David, tell, I want you to say this, how much I love him. But he said, you tell him, but I really don't, I'm gonna kill him. One place he said, because I'm going to let you marry my daughter, here's what I want you to do. I want you to gather a hundred foreskins of the Philistines. The Bible says he chose him to do that so he would be killed by the Philistines. And David shows back up and he has brought the evidence of a war that he was set up to be killed by. And David shows up unharmed, probably weary. And the Bible says Saul was afraid of him because he knew that God was with him. Everything he did against him in the scripture tells us that Saul became David's enemy continually. Until now he's married to Michael and he's invited. There's a seat at this table. And, well, well, by it, I mean, everybody's talking about how much Saul loves him, but David's getting this vibe. He sits at the table and one day he can see that Saul can no longer contain it. He pulls out the javelin and launches it at David. And David dodges it and the javelin sticks in the wall and David flees. And he goes one place that he goes, the Bible says he went to, he went to Samuel's house. You know who Samuel's house was? That's the prophet that spoke that said you're going to be the, you're going to be the captain of Israel. What I'm saying to you is there's moments in life that although you've done your best, it seems like everywhere you turn there's an enemy. Everything you do, there's something against you. What do you do in those moments? I'm going to teach you what to do when it looks like everywhere you turn, there's an enemy. Can I teach you today? I'm going to tell you number one, he went to Samuel's house. Samuel was the voice of the prophet. He went and revisited the voice that said, you are the son of Jesse and you are going to be the captain of Israel. He had to go back to the prophet's house and Ramah where Samuel had an altar built. He had to go back and visit that word that said there is a call of God in your life. There is a destiny because when the enemy comes against you, it will make you doubt who you are in God. Anybody hearing me today? When you are going through a trial and the enemy comes in like a flood, you've got you to reach for something to get above that situation. And it was Samuel that said, oh yeah, it hasn't changed. Samuel, you're sure I'm prophet because I'm sure I'm fighting. You're prophet of God, are you sure I'm the captain? Are you sure I'm going to be what you said I'm going to be? Oh yeah, it hasn't changed. Because when the enemy comes against you, it will cause you to doubt your future. And if anybody should have been for David, it should have been Saul, but he's not. He's jealous. He's got an evil spirit. God's using somebody in his world that is against him. And David feels like every step I go forward, I've got this pushing me back. And, and he, he goes to Samuel's house. He's sitting there and Samuel's encouraging him. I guarantee you Samuel's prophesying to him. He's speaking life into him. And guess what? Saul hears that David's at his house. The enemy does not want you to become what God wants you to become. And we can blame Saul all we want to, but the truth of the matter is the Bible says an evil spirit came to him because the devil doesn't want you to have authority. There are prophets and prophetesses and missionaries and pastors that are under the sound of my voice and you are absolutely in this room under attack by the enemy. I know what I feel. The enemy wants you to think it's over. It's done. Those prophecies aren't going to be fulfilled. What God's going to do in your family is never going to happen. I got news for the devil. You showed up at Samuel's house today, and I come to tell you what God said he's going to do, he's going to do. That's the power of going to God's house. 
I am reminded it doesn't matter what the enemy does. God will fulfill his word. Would you clap your hands and shout hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and tell them God's word will come to pass. I, I like this portion of the scripture. I think it's very, very powerful because watch this. Because when Saul sent men, messengers, I think it was four times, Saul sent messengers to Samuel's house. Woo, I feel something in the building. Saul sent messengers to, to Samuel's house where David was. And when the messengers got there and came to kill David, the Bible says when they got there, they started prophesying. <laughs> because prophets always come with an atmosphere of prophecy. That's right. That's why you need to get to the house of God. Because you might have death on your mind and get here and start speaking life. When you get in the atmosphere, it'll change the way you're speaking. And when you get it, I'm telling you, God, that's why the Bible says holy men of old spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. That's why the day of Pentecost, when they were filled with the Spirit, they began to speak in other languages and they began to speak of the wonderful works of God. If you sit at home by yourself, you're going to talk about gloom and doom and death and destruction and not ever going to happen. But when you get in the atmosphere of the prophet, I'm telling you, God's begin to speak through you. It's going to be all right. God's going to make a way. Come on, I feel something in the room. God is going to make a way. I wish somebody would look at your neighbor and say, it's going to be all right. Come on, turn about two or three people. Jump to your feet and shout, it's going to be all right. Come on, tell your neighbor, God's going to do what he said he's going to do. Woo! Brother Sawyer, God's going to do what he says he's going to do. Brother Joey, God's going to finish the prophecy that's in your world. Amen, Brother Brown, I'm telling you, God's going to finish the prophecy that he began. What he spoke years ago, it will be accomplished. Look at your neighbor and say, the enemy came to curse me but had to bless me. Amen. Hey, Brother Justin, the enemy came to curse you, but started blessing you. Brother Mike, the enemy came to curse you, showed up to judge you, and bless you, sir. Man, may the Lord bless you and be with you. He leaves a sword on the side. Oh, everything's going to be all right. What Samuel says is going to come to pass. They went back and they said, went back to Saul, and Saul said, well, how'd it go? Did you kill him? Oh, no. You're not going to believe it. You are not going to believe what happened. What? I tried to kill him. I had the sword on my side. And when I got there, I just started blessing him. You did what? Saul sent another message. You know what I did? Showed up with a sword in his hand. And the Lord spoke to me about you all this week and said, your greatest days of ministry are ahead of you. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. There's been opposition, but God said your best days are ahead. They're not behind. Do you believe that God's able? Come on, you get in the house of God, you start thinking right. I know he's going to do it. He's going to fulfill his word. It's a good day when your enemies are blessing you. He sends another, he sends another group of messengers. They show up, got the sword in their head. Their, their, their veins are popped out in their neck. They're mad. Closer they get, the anger starts leaving them. I just don't know why, but you're a good guy. I don't know what they said. I just think you're amazing. You know what I think? I just think you're going to be the king. And I'm putting words in their mouth, but the Bible says they prophesied. They weren't prophesying curse. 
Second messenger comes back and says, well, how'd it go? Do you have David? No. Where's he at? You're not going to believe if I told you. Don't tell I did. I promise. I don't know how. It just started coming out of my mouth. I talked about how amazing he was. He was great. He go fulfill the will of God. What? He sends four messengers, nothing, and they all prophesy. So Saul said, I'll go take care of him. Saul's the one with an evil spirit. And the closer he gets to Ramah, something starts changing him. When he got there, Saul, the one that wanted to kill him, starts prophesying and blessing him. You know what you need to do when the enemy comes in? You say, I'm going to the prophet's house. I'm getting to the house of God because that's where the blessing is spoken. I'm not going to listen to the enemy. I'm almost done. Remain standing. I'm almost finished. Look at your neighbor and say, God is going to bless you. Quit blaming yourself. You didn't ask for the call. God gave you the call. You didn't ask for the prophecy. God gave you the prophecy. Then why am I under so much attack? Because the devil does not want you to fulfill what God has planned for your life. Do you believe that? Somebody shout amen. How many feel like every step you go forward, there's something pushing back against you? Look at your neighbor and say, just, just bless me. Amen. Come on. You almost ended it all until you got to the house of God and you thought, you know what, I think I can make it. Oh yeah, I'm telling you, that's what I feel in this room. I feel like God wants you to hear what he's saying, not what the devil is saying. The devil says it's over, but that's not what God is saying. Samuel said you're going to be the captain. Samuel said it's going to be all right. Samuel said. Woo! It's bad enough you got a javelin in the wall. It's bad enough you're married to this person. I'm not talking about anybody in here, amen. I'm talking about David. You're bad enough that all these things are going on. David goes to Ahimelech because he didn't only go back and revisit the prophecy. He goes to the house of the priest. He goes there and he's not 100% honest. Because when he sees David by himself, he said, hold on a minute. This isn't how people usually come. They don't usually come alone. He said, well, I'm, I'm taking care of the king's business. Truth of the matter is he's fleeing the wrath of Saul. Where do you go when the enemy comes against you? You don't, you don't go to the wrong place. The old statement is when you don't know what to do, you got to do what you know would work. He said, I was thinking one way, Brother Donnie, we were talking about this during, before the first word. When, when I was thinking one way, David said, until I came into the sanctuary. When I got in the sanctuary, I started seeing my end. I started understanding the enemy's end. I'm telling you right now. That's why you go to church on Sunday because it's a reminder. I am going to be what God wants me to be. I, I am going to do what God wants me to do. Ahimelech at Nob, Ramah was Samuel, where Samuel altar was built and prophesied. David's now at Nob, that's where the priests were. When David gets the priest and he said, I, I, I'm, I'm in haste, I'm in a hurry. He said, I'm in such haste, I don't have a sword or a spear. Do you have any spears or swords in here? I, I think the priest was, maybe has to have a little discernment. He said, he didn't just say, we have Goliath's sword. 
Throw that, throw that verse, verse 9 on the wall. 21 and 9. And the priest said, everybody say, the pastor said. Everybody say, the guest preacher said. We got a guest preacher tonight. You know what he's going to do? He's going to remind you of what God's done in your life. I can't move on. Because there's some of you that have prophecies over your life that have not come to pass yet. I come to remind you today, God's going to fulfill his word. Do you believe that today? Some of you have a call of God and ministry that you've had since you were 13, 10. That's there. used to burn within you with the enemy. Here's, here's what I felt in prayer. I felt this. I felt suppression. Just beat down. The Bible talks about the enemy of the day would wear out the saints of the Most High God. Look at your neighbor and say, he'll wear you out. You'll be worn out. Javelins, false affection, relationship issues, people that promote you and tear you down. Not long fighting battles you shouldn't be fighting to get things that already belong to you. He's beat down. The giant killer, the one that can kill 10,000, the warrior. The man of God, the one who has prophecy, is absolutely worn down. And he said, I don't think he said, I think he was probably weariness in his eyes. He said, you have, you have any weapons here? I do. I've got just the thing for you. He said, you just wait here a minute. David's standing there thinking about dying. Father-in-law trying to kill him. Michael telling people that he threatened her. Truth. He starts. Oh. <laughs> it's been a while. I've been so under the gun. I've been so beaten down. I had forgot about what? forgot about what God did for me some years back. forgot about that prayer that he answered. forgot about the moment I prayed and my kids were filled with the Holy Ghost. forgot about the moment that I went to the altar. I was so desperate. And God healed me. Oh, give me a minute. It's been a while. When the enemy's beating you down, you're not thinking about what he did, you're thinking about what he's not doing. Anybody relate with what I'm preaching about? You know what you did? I'm gonna tell you what you did. You left this in the place that you returned to, it got lost at the house of God. You, you, you put it back where the where the priests were. You, you, you just left it at the house of God. You didn't carry it with you. And David, David in a moment uncovers a miracle. 
This was a thing that was in his hand that was going to kill him. He might have seen the reflection from the sun as he was running down the hill. Saw as he had a spear in one hand. He had a sword in the other. And he's running down seeing what was against him that would have taken him out. But on that day, the sword that was there to kill him was the one that was put in his hands that conquered the enemy in his world. And that's why he says to the priest, there's none like that sword. He wasn't talking about the tailored sword. Not just Goliath's sword. That's the sword I had my hand in that saved an entire nation. I'm telling you, God gave you a miracle to save an entire family. I feel this today. I appreciate everything He's going to do. I appreciate that. But every now and then, we got to go down memory lane and remember, I'm here today because what He did in the Valley of Elah. I'm here today because the miracle He gave to me some years ago. I wouldn't be here. God removed that sickness from my body. God removed that tumor from their body. God healed me of that situation. God visited me when I was praying. And sir, I'm going to tell you why you're struggling. Because you left your testimony in the house of God. You left it somewhere and you've become vulnerable. You don't have anything around you and what should be for you seems against you. But I come to tell you, you got to go down not only to Samuel's house. Today I'm preaching about going to Ahimelech's house. you got to go to the house of the priest and say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start thinking about what he did for me 20 years ago. What he did for my family five years ago. How he restored us. How he healed us. How he worked away. How he made a miracle in our marriage. Is there anybody in the building that you can lift your hand and say, God did an amazing work in my life. In the name of Jesus. It's a lost testimony. You're struggling because you haven't talked about it in a while. You haven't thanked God. All you can see is the javelins and the chaos and the confusion and the darkness and even the lies. I come to tell you, you'll reach. I've already reached for it. You don't have to reach for it. I've got it out for you. I went and found it. David, the sword that you killed Goliath with in the valley that he brought you out of. I just, it just happens to be here in the house of God. Look at your neighbor and say, God's been good to you. The disciples came to Jesus and they said, even the devils are subject to us. This is what he said. He said, don't rejoice because the devils are subject to you. He said, rather rejoice because your name is written in heaven. Can I submit to everybody in this building? When you were a sinner and God saved you, that's greater than any miracle that he's ever done in any other form in your life. Come on, when you repented, you were baptized, you were filled with the Spirit, God made a way. He brought you out of darkness. Into his marvelous life. Why am I struggling, Pastor? I'm going to tell you why. Because you left this in the church. It should be up on your mantle. It should be on your side. 
that says if he did it before, he can do it again. I do want you to tell your neighbor, say if he did it before, he can do it again. Come on, come on messengers, prophesy. Prophesy. You're still called. It's not over. The calling's without repentance. The calling's not dying. What the prophet spoke to you, what happened is, is going to be fulfilled. But you've got to reach for the testimony. You've got to reach for this. You've got to reach for this. this will, I'm telling you, this will get you through everything tomorrow. Because if he did it in the Valley of Elah, he's going to do it in this valley as well. He's going to do it this moment as well. I wonder who in the building. You say, Pastor, I hadn't thought about that miracle. Somebody that's going through something will step out of your seat and say, Pastor, I'm the one that lost my testimony. Whosoever calleth on the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, the Lord's moving in this building. Who else is laying your calling down because you left your testimony in the house of God? on you're going your own way because you fought you forgot what he did for you but today I'm going behind the ephod I'm putting my hand on an old victory and I'm going to let God do it again come on a hundred Philistines couldn't stop you everything he put you through couldn't stop you come on the miracle was happening right now he filled you with His Spirit. He filled you with the Holy Ghost. Come on, there's many more. I think you ought to get out. So you know what? I'm going to go on to what God has for me. I'm going on to what God is going to do for me. They're going to come and sing. They're going to come and lead us in praise. But right now, I think you ought to get out of your seat and, and say, I'm going I'm to praise Him for the miracle. I'm going to praise Him for the testimony. Come on, don't leave it in the house of God. David said, give it to me. I'm going to go on the rest of my life and walk in what he did in the valley of Eden. Come on, I'm calling some preacher in the building. I'm calling some preacher's wife in the building. Step out of your seat and I promise you, it's going to unfold before you. Not just what he did yesterday, but what he's going to do tomorrow. Hallelujah. Every hand, I want you to lift it to the Lord. I'm not going to forget what God did. Ooh. I'm not going to lose my testimony. We're overcomers. Not the blood of the Lamb and the Word of our testimony. God's been good to my family. Come on, God restored my marriage.
God restored my mind. He restored my health. He restored my children. I'm not leaving that in the house of a God. Abimelech, pastor, hand me my testimony back. I'll put my hands on it again. I'm moving forward. I'm moving on. I'm moving on to what God has for my life. Come on, I wish somebody would go back to a good old experience at an altar and say, I remember when you touched my situation. Come on, something's moving in this room. I'm not letting go of my miracle. I'm not letting go of my miracle. I've come with a word from the Lord this morning. <laughs> God's been good to me. Come on, reach out to the Lord. What are you doing with your testimony? Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.